0: Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. The
1: camera guy had this giant duffel bag and he had it setting oh, right there. So no. I was trying to land him in the driver's seat, which I've done a million times
2: too, but um, yeah, that one got me. I'd I yell over last year, I'd yell over to Danny across the River. Hey, Danny, how deep are you? And he'd drop a, a brick on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> on a 15 feet toward the rope.
3: Well, it's because your graphs weren't working either. Yeah, You didn't know. <laughs> well,
0: Broadcasting for the pre Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. <clears throat> we're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. What's well, almost like fall. There's so many things starting to happen now. It seems like there's more and more opportunities to go out and do things. And we're going to talk about all of them from turkey hunting to snow goose hunting to sport. Uh, You know, spring fishing, late ice fishing, a lot going on. I'm Brett Amundson. Thanks for tuning in. That's Dan Amundson right
3: over there. Dan, how are you doing? Just thinking it's the best time of the year, not fall. (laughs) I'm saying fall's great, but spring might be better. Mm, David, Mm, do you agree?
4: I don't agree. Yeah,
3: I don't agree either. Well, you are both wrong.
4: (laughs) There's two things you can hunt in the spring, and there's way more than two you can hunt in the fall. Yeah get it right Dan. okay
3: well there's <laughs> two really cool things you can hunt in the fall and a lot of great fishing to do
4: That is true in the spring i'm not yeah. saying i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it kind of well, sounds like you are I,
0: i'm just saying that's what i'm saying it's awesome right now like there's so many things to do fall still better but well, then quit arguing with me, spring <laughs> is coming in a close second right now because man uh, oh
3: oh so i'm so wrong but it's a close second well you are wrong yes and it is a close
0: second <laughs>
3: yes okay weird take he can still be wrong yeah but be close it sounded like i was very wrong well but you, now I'm, now it's just shifting to like hey, you're, just, see, fall you're just
4: close to being wrong <laughs>
3: <laughs> fall is still going to be, always
0: be number one but uh, uh other than it being a late spring i'm really excited about things that are happening because uh, we spent some time at Tobin. You're going to see in here on the on fall, in the next couple of weeks here, probably next week here, some of our trip to Tobin Lake to do some ice fishing up there. Uh, well, we got some snow goose hunting coming up. Turkey hunting is right around the corner. You got the uh, Rainy River Fishing Tournament coming up in a couple of weeks. People are ice fishing. There's so much going
3: on. Dan, out of all those things, what is your favorite thing to do, you think? Whatever presents the best opportunity at the time. If the walleyes are biting, then I'm going to go walleye fishing, and that's the best thing to do. If the snows are here and they're nice, then that's the best thing to do. If the turkeys are going and the fish aren't quite going, then that's the best thing to do. That's the beauty of it, though, is it all just kind of intermingles, and you just you pick and choose, and you know that you get to hunt again in the fall, so you don't, if the hunting's not lining up, you don't feel pressured to go hunt because you don't feel like you only have 60 days, and so you go fish. If the fishing's not there, you know you've got the rest of the summer, so you go do something else. So you don't feel like, I don't feel like you feel the pressure that you do in the fall to jam it all in before the no. the dreaded winter is here.
4: Yeah. Well, and this is also bonus time. And I, mean, I think the difference too is the days are getting longer, not shorter. You which also. You start also, getting into late fall and, you know, you deer hunt until 10 o'clock and you got to be back out at one o'clock because it's dark by five and right
0: well and i think it's interesting uh thinking about turkeys right now in those first couple of seasons that everybody wanted well there might be snow on the ground for that this year uh, most likely i want to talk a little bit more about that all that here in just a second but first dan who are the sponsors this week
3: we have to thank on x nor do you stand with on x hunt Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Plan a trip for this winter, spring, or summer at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Live target lures. Match the hatch at livetargetlures.com. haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake for this spring or summer at HaybelHeights.com. Alclare Audio. Save your hearing in the field this spring with Alclair. Learn more at alclareoutdoors.com. Riverbend Resort at Lake of the Woods. Plan an ice fishing or spring or summer fishing trip to the Rainy River and Lake of the Woods at riverbendresort.com. Otter Tail Lakes Country, find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman, new episodes are back. Watch out. But you can watch reruns or new episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel.
0: Check it out, or prairiesportsman.org. David, when was always your favorite time to hunt turkeys?
4: I like doing it earlier, because you don't have to get up as early. <laughs> as the season gets on, you got to be out there so early. It, the, sun, the sunrise just... Keeps getting earlier, so early season I think is better. Do you think there's there's a, a way turkeys, you know,
0: are acting in the breeding season a little bit? You know, they're easier to call maybe earlier in the year.
4: Yeah, I think so. It it it's all kind of a dance, you know. Sometimes the years are too early and they're still grouped up and they don't want to they don't want to play at all. But I gotta think that's the way it's gonna be this year. I think so too. Yeah, I think. That first season's probably gonna be a tough one for a lot of people.
0: Dan, are you uh you were pretty excited about turkey hunting last year. How fired up are you about it about it this year?
3: Well, again, like I just got done saying, if the snows aren't here and they're done playing, if the fishing's not great, then we'll go turkey hunting. <laughs>
0: and that's one thing about snow geese too, when you got the snow line, they don't like it very much. And uh we were just talking that by this time last year we were shooting birds already and even a couple of weeks
4: earlier we were shooting birds yeah on the plus side for turkeys this year we're not gonna have to worry about wood ticks i think those first few seasons
0: that's the worst i mean i quit turkey hunting for a long time because of that yeah not that i was ever a huge turkey hunter but i i definitely like i did it and then stopped because the wood ticks were so bad until we got the uh I got that Sitka stuff last year.
4: And permeth What is it? Permethrin. permethrin. Yeah. yeah.
0: The Equinox. Are you building a table back there, like hammering away at something? <laughs> what are you... Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Um, yeah. So uh, turkey season starts April 12th in Minnesota. You guys going to try to bounce around to a few states? I wouldn't mind traveling a little bit. Yeah. I usually try and hit
4: up at least a couple
0: states, so that'd be fun uh and maybe a a combination snow goose turkey hunt this year and ice fishing yeah nice
4: throw in some (laughs) some hard water
3: (laughs) i'm good late that's the one thing i don't need to do in the spring if the ice fishing is going on well you guys have fun i'll uh, be getting decoys ready
0: (laughs) yeah yeah after tobin i don't really i think i'm ready to be done with ice fishing i'm looking forward to open water and we're going to be on open water hopefully Uh, rainy river uh, coming up uh, April 11th and 12th, the SJR 500 second annual fishing tournament. I'm sure it'll be open. It was we're, we it was uh, cutting it was cutting her a little close last year, but everything opened up and we we caught a lot of fish. Had a great time up there last year, and we're a week later. For this year, we open it up an hour longer each day, 8 to 4. It's only $40 to enter. Everyone uh, is open to, to, to sign up and be a part of it. It's on the Fish Donkey app, so it's all catch and release, it's all catch and release up there anyway this, this time of year. Uh, but all the fish will be uh, caught and released as part of the tournament. So there it is right there on the screen, SGR 2nd Annual 500. Uh, come and join us. We'll do a non-mandatory rules meeting on Monday, April 10th. So happy Easter, and then let's go fishing for that tournament. It'll be a good time. We'll talk more about tips on the Rainy River and how to catch some of those fish with Joe Henry coming up. And we're going to talk Bassmaster Elites. A pro, Pat Schlopper is going to be joining us to talk about his uh, fourth-place finish earlier this year and then uh, talk about what it's like to be on the, uh, the Bassmaster Elite Pro Tournament circuit. That's all coming up on Sporting Journal Radio. It's ice fishing season, and time to plan your trip to Riverbend Resort on Lake of the Woods. Stay at the Lakeside Resort along the Rainy River in one of their new cabins and enjoy delicious meals and hotter cold beverages in the Miles Lab Barn Grill. Or stay in one of their comfortable sleeper houses on the ice, complete with a TV, stove, and lots of walleye right beneath your feet. You also have the option of staying at their motel, the Walleye Inn, located in Bidet. Book your ice fishing trip to famous Lake of the Woods today at riverbendresort.com. That's riverbendresort.com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. F-Tex winner, the Ultimate Frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra-point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And I cast an F-Tex winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devils Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Hay Bale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. All right. We're pretty excited about it. The second annual SGR 500 is coming to the Rainy River, April 11th and 12th. We'll have a rules meeting a non-mandatory rules meeting monday april 10th at riverbend resort come on up and join us there is lodging still available at riverbend this tournament's open to everybody and it goes from the from the uh from franz jevney out to lake of the woods if you can get on the river there and fish wherever out into uh lake of the whatever is navigable on the rainy i found out we can't fish you can't fish in any tributaries obviously you can't fish on the canadian side but uh, from Franz Jevny to Lake of the Woods, that is where our tournament will be. We've got a bunch of cool prizes. You can learn more about it at SportingJournalRadio.com. It's through the Fish Donkey app. Uh, get yourself signed up. $40 entry fee. And uh, Joe Henry is going to join us now to talk a little bit about Lake of the Woods. And Joe, we're kind of excited this year uh, that we're going to be donating 25, 25% of entry fees to keep it clean.
2: The question I have, I'm not real good at math. What's 25% of a million dollars? It's
0: a lot, two hundred fifty
2: thousand
0: dollars. That's to is it? Yeah, yeah, two hundred fifty. going to be a million dollars.
2: Wow! <laughs> Heck yeah, this Who is a huge tournament. Tournament, <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. Doesn't the I tournament like go from Birchdale to the mouth of the Rainy River?
0: Well, it'll be according to the uh, rules with the permit application that I had to fill out with the DNR. We set the boundary at Franz Jevny, so realistically, oh. you're looking at Birchdale to the rain for us to go. So, you know how the falls are east of the access yep. for us to include being able to fish t- east of the Birchdale access, we had to put Franz Jevney in there in the rules. So that's, that's where it'll be. So, but yes, oh, okay. Re- realistically Birchdale. You're too. Gonna have, so
2: Danny, Danny's going to take his new boat and run the rapids all the way up. The <laughs> you watch me. You watch me. Yeah. yeah.
0: You watch. Yeah. So that's just a little change you know, this for, year. For
2: people that don't know, for people that don't know you know when you get to birchdale i mean most people birchdale is kind of their cut off and yeah. the reason birchdales are cut off for the river is because there are some rapids right upstream from birchdale and then on the other side of the rapids is uh, another access called france gemini and to run those rapids i mean give you an example i've never done it um i i'm not going to take my boat through that i know tournament anglers that know the rapids real well and they'll run through there but there's big boulders that are At the top of the you know the surface here you got to know what you're doing and there's a lot of water in the spring moving through there so you really need to know what you're doing i I would not advise it if if you're not an expert at it or not with somebody who's experienced but uh but nonetheless that that's what we're talking about is uh franz jeveni and you know what um in talking about the rainy river i'll tell you what that's just such an exciting time i mean uh, i'll tell you what you know that water opens up and dropping your boat in for the first time and you know, you're getting out there and there's other boats, but there's a lot of river. I mean, there's, there's a lot of river normally to fish and you're not, you're not playing bumper boats typically. And, you know, you, you can spread out if you want to. And those wallets are holding in different spots. I mean, they're not all in one spot in the river. You'll find little nooks and crannies, little holes, little current breaks. Sometimes they're on flats. Um, some people are jigging them. Some people are using big plastics on a jig. Some people are using frozen emerald shiners. Some people are uh, pulling crankbaits, you know, right along shore some people are using a three-way rig and pulling crankbaits. Um, and then you have some people that are sturgeon fishing and they're anchored up. So there are a lot, a lot of different ways to get her done, but man that spring fishing if you haven't done it, it is so enjoyable. Don't need a big boat. Do have to have a little bit of patience because you know when those when the ice starts opening up, if you have only one boat ramp open, well certainly everybody has to go through that one boat ramp, so you just have to plan on taking a little bit of time. Now as the ice goes out, then you have two boat ramps and three boat ramps, and that, you know, uh, uh, disseminates all the traffic, so it's much easier then. Yeah, and we're
0: obviously pre-recording this interview, and this time of year, things are constantly changing, so we tell people if they wanna get the latest information about conditions up at the Rainy River as
2: uh, we, we gear up for spring, check out Lake of the Woods on uh, social media, right, Joe? Yeah, exactly, and you know, our Facebook page is a really good source. You know, we put our uh, we, we we constantly keep people up to date of where the open water line is on our Facebook page in the spring of the year, and certainly that comes out in our fishing report. Our fishing report, although, comes out weekly, so you're better off if you're on social media to follow. Certainly, our Facebook, even our Instagram, is a good place too. You know, I
0: I uh, I'm excited about the tournament. We moved it back a week this year, Joe, because last year it was. Uh, uh, i don't remember the exact dates but it was that first first couple of days in april and we had the snowstorm only birchdale was open the second day i think uh front, the next access front frontier opened up and then uh so we're like ah oh, let's push it back next year and and now we're having a late spring so I'm, I'm sure everything will be just fine i know we were real nervous about it last year but boy once that river goes it goes
2: it goes quick. It goes quick. Every year we worry about it. You know, hmm. when's it going to open? It's going to open early. Is it going to open late? When's it going to, is we going to have a season this year? Every year when it goes, man, it goes quick. You're like, oh man, did you see how far the river opened up yesterday? It looks like we are going to be fishing. Well, so I would just watch it. Don't worry. It seems like yeah. we're on course and uh, you
0: know, it's, it's kind of a normal winter. Well, we have so much fun anyway. It's just a fun tournament, right? Like 40, 40 bucks to get into it, 50% payback, 25% goes to keep it clean, uh, three largest walleye, three largest sturgeon. Uh, by length, we'll get prizes plus uh, non non-walleye or sturgeon we're going to have a prize for that again this year and then we just have a, a good old time at River Bend. there we have a little party it's op- open to everybody through the fish donkey app so get there and, and get signed up it's it's just meant to kind of celebrate the open water season and and catch some nice fish and uh continue that tradition of spring fishing up at the rainy and that's that's just a couple so it's a uh 11th and 12th so that's right before the walleye season closes up there joe
2: yeah, season closes. 14th is the last day for walleye season, April 14th. And you know, uh, uh, this isn't a, a hardcore tournament. It's not a, what'd you say entry fee was, Brent? 40 bucks. 40, 40 bucks for person for entry fee. So for $40, this isn't a hardcore tournament. It's, it's more of a kind of a celebration of a tradition and it's getting some really good people, men and women together who enjoy the outdoors and who are willing to go out in the spring weather. I mean, it could be really warm out. It could be really cold out. We, we had snow last year when we fished in the boat. Um, but you know the thing of it is is that this isn't a hardcore tournament so don't worry about being competitive it's really more about getting out there and just getting a line on the water and you know certainly we're going to fish hard most people fish hard but you know what uh, the, the, you know last year there was there's some really nice fish caught and we had inclement weather and uh, it was really cool heck some of the highlights last year I mean big sturgeon was caught we had some nice walleyes caught actually the bigger walleyes were caught the day before the tournament mm-hmm. um, So remember because the wall and, and soccer season is closed on the rainy river that is catch and release only somebody caught a uh, a sucker and uh, cooked a sucker up in the <laughs> oven and uh, you know we <laughs> all tried that and uh, you know maybe because we had a few bush lights in us uh, that sucker tasted really good Tasted good.
0: bush lights or not that fish tasted
4: pretty good except dave the the snout piece was yeah the cheek the cheek tasted good i just i couldn't get the that face out of my mind. I, <laughs> you're sucking I, uh, on I almost, face? I almost gagged a little bit as I put that <laughs> cracker in my mouth, but choked her down. It tasted good. <laughs> you can Yikes. see the video of David almost losing
0: it on uh, Sporting Journal Radio on the YouTube channel. We got a video from our, our time up on the Rainy River last year. And you can also see how we fished. And, Joe, I'm hesitant to talk about how we did it because we got, it's a competitive tournament. And Dan pushed real hard for going an hour earlier this year. So we're going to open up the tournament an extra hour from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Be-
3: because... Yeah, well, he we didn't. Know,
2: what, what time do we go to bed? We just go to bed at 3, 4, 5 in the morning, don't we? So? <laughs> he Let's was just in bed not early. sleep. We're
3: not sleeping for 48 hours. <laughs> I'm
2: kidding, I'm kidding. Walking right you from know, the bar down to I the. I will bowl. say, though, it was kind of nice waking up, having breakfast, getting on the road. You know, and now Danny wants to push it. Well, and our hope. That gives me more motivation just to make sure we put that boy in his spot. (laughs) (laughs) Our
3: our hope is that we have more accesses open. That's the reason we started at nine was because we feared only having one or two accesses open, which we did. So we were hoping to have all four so we can spread out and not have a a congestion at the ramp and get more fishing time in, really. Yeah, because you can get on the water whenever. It's just that fish only count once uh, the tournament hours
0: open up. So... You know, and we honestly might. You know, I don't know, Joe. I don't. I don't feel like needing to rush out there at 8 a.m. No. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I'm not going to be now in a big it's, hurry. It's,
2: it's stained water. Those walleyes are cruising up for the spawn. You know what? You put the right bait in front of them; they're going to whack it any time of the damn day. That's right. Yeah. As
3: long as there's not a snowstorm coming in, I did fine. We got out there before all of you guys before the snow hit and fishing was solid until the snow hit. Wait, so yeah. And then you had for, to change for techniques. Some, but...
2: For some boats, it sure went the hell after that, didn't it, Danny? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, We well, so came out during the tough hours, and that's when yeah, we caught them. Well, we caught,
3: we'd, we'd <laughs> caught enough fish, so we started making dinner and making lunch and sitting under the bimini and hanging out and
2: just enjoying the
3: elements. Exactly. We have, have all them, the so easy for, fish. Yes, so enjoy
2: the elements. So for the, uh, for the listeners, Danny got a new boat this year. It's not brand new, but it's a new boat to him. It's a nice boat, and uh, he also has loaded with electronics.
3: It's got like one graph on it right now, so what is we'll, it? we'll see if we'll see if my. It's got one old Garmin. We'll see if uh, my paycheck comes in before the tournament. So maybe <laughs> this might be a competitive edge, as my certain boss <clears throat> might withhold a paycheck from me uh, I don't have <laughs> intentionally. <laughs> yeah,
2: but I, I yell over last year. I did yell over to Danny, cross the River. Hey, Danny, how deep? for you? And he'd drop a, a brick on a rope. And goes, like 15 feet the rope.
3: Well, it's because your graphs weren't working either. Yeah, You didn't know. Well,
2: you, no, Listen, no, that's a tr- truth be told, my one graph was working. My second graph wasn't working. But uh, Jamie Dittman, we call him Dr. Sonar, he got in and diagnosed a problem in about one minute. And you know what it was? One of my, uh, one of my wires to my battery wasn't hooked up. Hmm. So as soon as we figured that out, boy, that sucker popped right on. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> Power helps.
0: Yeah. That was that was the
2: first time I had the boat in the water, and I just missed that one wire. And I even looked in the battery compartment, looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, and I was probably staring right at it, you know. Yeah, and and just missed it. Boy, Jamie picked that up right away when he when he looked at my battery compartment. And as soon as you hooked that uh, that lead up, it was it was game on. We had two graphs then instead of one. So, but you know what? Still, I mean, it it worked better than Danny's rope last year. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It, It didn't cost me anything you know that's that's actually what uh, what they used to do in the old days of fishing on lake of the woods a lot of those really good guides they'd be way offshore and they'd be trying to use different landmarks as far as they could see for a marker and then they get out there and what they do is they'd drag a a rock or a brick around on a rope and then when they started hitting bottom they knew that they were on the reef and then they'd throw it a you know maybe a jug with a with a sinker on it or something to kind of stay on it but that's how they found structure back then
0: well, it, it, you got to do what you got to do. And before the days of electronics, can you imagine all this, like with live scope now that what we can do with a live scope yeah. compared how would, to even, how t- 20 security, years ago?
2: How about having the security of a smartphone to be able to call if you get in yeah. trouble? Yeah. How about being able to look at weather uh, radar in real time or look at it before you go out on the lake? I mean, just all those things compared to the old days, you know, uh, we're, we're lucky. Well, uh, and as far as tactics in the spring,
0: obviously the biggest thing is being flexible and being able to change up your presentation. And the one thing that worked for us, Joe, last year is we switched to pulling crankbaits and uh, had a lot of success doing that.
2: Yeah. You know, we were, we were, uh, we were jigging and we cut a few fish jigging, but we were not doing great. And, you know, we, we weren't on a lot of fish either. That's the thing. So we just kind of made the decision that let's put our crankbait, we'll troll upstream real slow in that cold water. With that water moving downstream, that crank just moves like crazy, even going really slow. And we just trolled upstream with a three-way rig. You know, we used a, a sinker with a drop about two feet. I think we are using about a three-ounce weight. And then uh, we, we had about a six-foot piece of mono um, going to a shallow diving crankbait. And then the other three... A swivel of the three-way was going to a run reel, and and we would just lower that down almost like a crawler harness at a forty-five degree angle, and just drive around upstream. And you know the beauty of that presentation is that you can you can slide up into five feet of water if those fish are holding tight to shore. Then you can slide out to a hole that's twenty feet and and just be touching bottom with your sinker periodically and know you're down there. And uh, we went through we caught a lot of fish. I mean our our uh, our fortunes turned really immediately when we started doing that.
0: Yeah, and I think we
2: really kind of got into them right about 350. Oh, <laughs> we would have had another hour because we got a couple of our best fish then too, and we were marking the best fish. And boy, I tell you what, uh, I got I got some things in my mind right now for this year that uh, you know. But 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 again, that's that's really kind of the fun of tournament fishing is it? It forces you to make decisions on the water and try different techniques, and I think it really makes you uh, become a better angler. Well, we're looking forward to it. Find out more information about the SJR 500. The
0: two-day Rainy River Fishing Tournament coming up April 11th and 12th uh, will be based out of Riverbend Resort. Find all the info at SportingJournalRadio.com. Joe, and if people want to find out more about the changing conditions at the Rainy River, what should they do?
2: You know what? For, on, on Facebook, just uh, look us up. It's uh, Facebook.com. Uh, uh, Backslash Lake of the Woods MN, and uh, otherwise, check out our website, and that's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, Sauger, Perch, and Northern Pike. Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 852
0: million acres of public land. 147 million private properties. All in the palm of your hand. Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes.
1: Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone.
3: Find your inner otter at OttertailLakesCountry.com.
0: Hi, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com, or watching this on YouTube. Uh, really excited about our next guest here. Uh, oh, I should mention Dan Amundsen is with us right over there too. Hi. And uh, I know when last week when we were doing what were we working on, Dan? Prairie Sportsman yeah, stuff. I probably. Know, I was editing
3: a bunch of different things, but yeah. I got really distracted. <laughs>
0: Very <laughs> distracted and uh dan i didn't i didn't have as much time to watch it as dan did but dan was uh, glued to the live stream of uh the bass fishing tournament the bassmaster uh tournament taking place and uh and it, it was extra exciting for us because we knew somebody that was uh doing pretty well there and he joins us right now pat schlopper uh bassmaster elite series pro pat how you doing pretty good pretty good congratulations on, uh, the last tournament there. It was a, a pretty wild, uh, last day for you. I think, um, I think Mark Zona said he called you a hot, called, called you a hot mess.
1: Yeah, I, it was definitely chaotic and a hot mess would be very accurate.
0: <laughs> so, um, but we'll break down all of that here in one second and find out what made you a hot mess. And, uh, How the fishing was and what you did and all that stuff but first we've got a little clip that i think we're going to start the we want to start the show off with if dan's ready
2: before you load the yeti hot seat the other day when you made the first cut you said you you got to have one beer back after you make it to sunday how how many beers
1: i don't know i mean jiminy's i gotta drive 20 hours tomorrow so i'm not gonna go too overboard but he gonna do a few tonight
2: Uh, i bet so he loads our yeti hot seat let's hear it for pat slopper
0: all right so first of all i mean for using the word jiminy jiminy's in there but also to celebrate here you go (laughs) congratulations pat so cheers nice nice so uh that was tournament two on the season right
1: yes it was the second one we had back-to-back events we started on okeechobee the week before and then we went right to seminole how did that
0: how did that first tournament
1: go Pretty good. I think I ended in 25th. So it was good. 25th and then fourth on Seminole. So right now I think I'm in seventh in the angler of the year points, which is good. So
0: uh, that I was just reading up on a little bit that that final day you caught 19 pounds in less than a half hour.
1: Yeah, probably a little more than that weight wise, because I wasn't really weighing them right away. I was just kind of throwing them in there. But yeah, on the first 15, 10, 15 minutes, I was there. I kind of dialed it in and I was, it was pure chaos. I was catching them pretty, pretty consistently. Um, so yeah, I had a good bag early on in the, in the day.
0: That's awesome. That's gotta be a good feeling, you know, like how often has that ever happened to you before in a tournament like that, where all of a sudden it was like, bang, bang, bang.
1: Very, it it happens. it, It happens. It has happened quite a few times in my life. Um, and, That's why, like, when it was happening, I was trying to get, you know, catch them as fast as I could because it generally doesn't last real long. So that's why I was running all over and just trying to get back out there as quick as I could uh, because when those moments happen, you have to capitalize on them. Gosh, it's got to be so... I mean, I don't know if it'd be fun or nerve-wracking or both or what,
0: but so do you figure it was a bite window or you stumbled upon a pot of fish or there was... It, it sounds like maybe there was a bunch of shad around or what What do you think happened there?
1: Well, it was just... So the, I, that area, that's where I caught the majority of my fish the whole tournament. Um, at that particular day, I made an adjustment from throwing a drop shot. <laughs> to you, that, I was yeah, wondering...
0: I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was wondering about the hooks when you were landing that fish and uh, they ended up in your shoulder.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Like I like to land fish behind my driver's seat, you know, when I'm throwing a bait like that where I got a bellyum, you know, where they're hard to to lip because of all them treble hooks. But the camera guy had this giant duffel bag and he had it setting right there. So I was trying to land them in the driver's seat, which I've done a million times too, but um, yeah, that one got me, but it didn't get in my body, just in the shirt. So it was, you know, there was no harm.
0: Well, that's good. That's lucky. And you got, and you obviously you had to work to get it out pretty quickly if, if you got a hot bite like that. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but go back to what you were explaining there.
1: Yeah. So basically that was the area I had spent pretty much the entire tournament with the exception of most of the first day I started there the first day, but I caught some small ones. I didn't really understand fully what I had going on. Um, but all my weight, the second day, all my weight, the third day came from there. Um, but then the fourth day, a a buddy of mine, Derek Hudnall, who made the top 10 also, he told me, he's like, you should probably try throwing a jerkbait just to, just to see, which I did earlier in the event. But the particular part that I was fishing was a lot more choked out with grass. So it was hard to fish. But once I kind of found that it opened up a little bit out further, you know, I threw that jerkbait the fourth day and. It was uh, pretty insane. I, I caught a I caught a lot of them and, you know, kicking myself because I didn't dial it in faster. But that's just how tournaments go. You find a spot like that and you don't want to spend a bunch of time on it and practice because locals see you, other competitors yeah. see you. And next thing you know, there's four boats there trying to fish it instead of just me. You know, I had it all to myself.
0: Well, and I'm looking at some of this footage and there's obviously a few boats around you, but they must not have been too close. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, Is that yeah right? I felt like yeah, most of those boats were just spectators. Okay. I did have one local guy the third day who came in there and caught a whole bunch of them and took them home for a fish fry. And wow, he gosh. did try to get in there the, the fourth day. He brought someone else. You can keep 10 bass down there. Oh, and so they were going to keep 20 bass out of that school. Um, oh but I talked to him, he was an older guy and he, I think he seen what was going on and how well I was doing. And he eventually just, just left. Th- thank God, because wow. I, I could fish the way I needed to fish then.
0: That's insane. You know, I was, I was all ready to ask you a question about ethics and how, how close other, uh, you know, tournament anglers can creep in on a spot with you. But I I just want to back up and talk about having to deal with locals. I had no idea that you'd have to deal with a local coming in to fish out the school of bass that you're catching in a major tournament like this to take home for a fish fry
1: of all things. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing, that guy, I don't think that he came there because I was there. He knew what was, he knew about that spot. And he pulled up and he stayed a little ways away from me and he didn't move around. Like I talked to him that third day. I said, I'm like, are you going to stay back there? And he just, he just said, yep. And he did. But what that made it, it made it difficult for me to, to move around the way I wanted to move around. And he stayed there almost the whole day. Like he finally left the third day and I went, to the area where he was and i called two fish right away so had uh, i been able to fish that whole area the third day instead of just kind of being limited um i possibly could have had a better bag too but you know i, I don't feel i'm not one of those guys that thinks tournament anglers are superior I, I just don't i don't like it when people portray us or themselves if they're a tournament angler like they have precedent over anybody else um but at the same time, in that scenario, you know, you kind of hope that they respect you a little bit when you're there on the last day. And, and I've been there every single day of the events, not like I just showed up there. Um, so, and the guy was really nice. He left and it was, it was fine. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. That's, that's one of those stories you don't, you don't hear very often you know one of those no stories. and they
1: didn't show it either you know they didn't show any of it on there me talking to him, um you know they filmed it all but when you're you don't know what they show so um and i've gotten asked a lot about it because i kept referring to the guy's grandpa joe all day and so people were like who's grandpa joe and like then he'd tell them the story and like well they didn't show any of that so you know it would have been nice if they would have showed that to kind of set the scene but it happens a lot you know it it happens a lot where you know local people happened really really bad on Okeechobee to several people you know they see you catching them they move right in on you and and they just uh it happens but I try not to let it bother me yeah
0: well, it's tough when you're on public water, you know, essentially, and especially when it's locals that have fished at their whole lives or something like that. But did, did, did Grandpa Joe know you were in a turn Obviously, he knew you were in a tournament then if you're there with a camera guy.
1: Yeah, he did. I mean, he knew what was going on. And, you know, I, it, I was really fortunate that that fourth day because we had to run about a half hour from when we took off from maybe 30, 35 minutes. And so I didn't get down there till i don't know a little after eight and i'm just praying like please let this guy have to go to church or make make (laughs) breakfast for gram you know gam gam and not be there and i pulled in and he wasn't there and i'm like oh my god thank thank you he's he's at church or having coffee with the boys and then i had about 20 minutes of fishing 15 minutes of fishing and here he comes And he's got someone else with him. I'm like, Oh crap. Now they're really going to put a beating on him. But then I set, you know, I started on a different end of it than what I had been starting. So if he did show up, I was going to be where he wanted to be. And he would have had to, you know, go around me or leave like he did. And thank God he left. So now, if I was
0: asking anybody uh, about this situation, I'd be talking about you know how you were fishing, what structure you were on. I feel like it's different when you're talking to a, a tournament angler during the season or, or anything. I, was there was there structure there, or was it a is it a secret,
1: semi-secret spot, or what? You know, I don't. I'm not. I have never been there other than pre-practice, so I don't know what what their community holes are. I mean, there was no other anglers there, no other guy of our of the elite series guys found it um and there was no locals there for the first two day or first three days other than that one guy the third day um but that lake has got a lot of hydrilla in it really thick hydrilla so what this was was just kind of a ditch that ran through it and the mm-hmm. hydrilla turned from like a solid mat which is usually from you know i was in about 15 feet and usually the hydrilla would go from the bottom all the way to dang near the surface, maybe within three feet of the surface. But in this area, there was kind of a ditch and that hydrilla got broken up into clumps. And then there was some coontail mixed in um, and there was a lot of shad around. So uh, it, it, it was uh, what you wanna look for in a, in a lake that has a lot of vegetation.
0: Well, and if none of the other tournament anglers knew about that spot, you know, whoever's going to be fishing that lake in the next tournament, they're they're checking on X for Grandpa Joe right now, so they can get. Well, some- they
1: know that now. That's the that's the downfall with how Bass does it is they'll put they've got Bass Track, you know, and they'll put exact locations that you catch fish. It's oh really? It's it, there's a lot of controversy around it amongst us anglers, or just when they they'll show where you're at on the map. So then, what happened? You know, during the live coverage. So then, all of a sudden, you know, that's how all those spectators found me because oh, they're sorry. like, "Oh, he's over there." And then they drive, which is fine. Them guys just sit back and cheer you on. That's kind of fun. But then, I'll, now I guarantee you that next morning there was a dozen boats out there fishing it. Hmm. So that spot will probably not be the same for quite a while.
0: And and. I bet part of the reason why they didn't film the interaction with the other angler there is, is probably a legal reason. They didn't have permission to put them on camera. I, I would bet is part of it, but when it, if you say they filmed it all, like how, how much of that is live? Like, are they, are they transmitting that live from the cameras or are the guys filming it and somehow? Yeah, it-
1: I think it's live. I mean, there might be a slight delay, but like I asked them, you know, I'm like, how much of that, was on live and he's like quite a bit of it you know because it was so action-packed but i think they jump around from angler to angler and then if something happens when it's not live then they'll show you know they'll air, air that part of it into the show you know edit in however they do it but um yeah it's well it's live feed so it's like real time with probably a slight delay in case i you know drop an f-bomb or do something like that but <laughs> um primarily live coverage so it's pretty cool i mean it's it's really taken the sport to another level, having that kind of coverage.
0: How uh, how many years have you been doing this? This is my third year. Third year. How much more pressure is it when there's? Can- I mean, you're in a in a, in a high level, elite level tournament to begin with, and then you got a camera in your face the whole time. How much pressure does that
1: add? it doesn't really affect me, you know, especially in that circumstance where I was so far behind, you know, I was like 15 pounds behind the leader. So I knew going out that day, like I couldn't win unless he, you know, the leader broke down or something weird happened. I mean, I could have caught 30 pounds and not one. So there really was no pressure. I'm like, I'm in ninth place I can drop one spot, which would cost me a little bit of money and one AOI point, but I can move up, you know, potentially five or six, seven, eight spots. So I'm just going to go out and catch what I can catch. And, you know, I'm, I'm here on day four, so it's a success either way. So I had no pressure. So, you know, and that makes it even more fun when you're not, like, stressing about, you know, not getting paid or not making the cut. And, you know, I I fished really free that day. It was, it was great.
3: Speaking of breaking down, that was a, that's a concern on that lake, right? People had some issues, right?
1: Oh, it's really hard to navigate. There's a lot of timber and there's, there's boat lanes. There's a few boat lanes that are super narrow. And like, if you get off of them, I'm talking like a foot, you're done. You're, you're hitting, you're hitting timber. So, It's, uh, yeah, John Cox almost sunk his boat. He like, I think he hit a stump with some rebar on it and ripped a big hole in it and had to call uh, Larry Nixon to come save him. So it's treacherous. It's bad on parts of it, not all of it, but a good chunk of it is hard to navigate.
3: Now, was there a clip? I, I saw a clip surface up. I honestly don't know if it was from this week or a previous tournament, but did somebody put their boat on shore? Or was that an that issue was this, this tournament?
1: tournament? Yep. Yeah, Ray Hanson, first day takeoff. So we got to run down the Flint River, and it has some real tight corners. and And some of these guys are, like, really aggressive drivers. Like, they want to try to pass you, even if they got 30 miles to do it, they'll wanna to try to pass you on some dumb corner that's not even that's not safe in the first place. So what happened, I know Ray real well, mm-hmm. and I drove by and seen his boat up in the woods. And I didn't stop because there there's already several boats there. And I seen Ray standing on the bank, so I knew he was okay. Um, but what happened was he was going into one of those tight corners and another angler caught him off, like cut right in front of him within feet of his motor and he had to, he was either going to hit him or turn left, and he turned left as hard as he could, and the boat caught, you know, caught an edge and hooked and shot him up into the woods. So Jeez. super lucky, um, you know. He's a veteran; he's been around a long time. So he said he was able to kind of pick a spot and line it up and and let off the guy. He say he was probably only going thirty when he hit it, um, but he was in the woods, you know, a ways. So he was really fortunate where it happened that there was kind of a sandbar with a little bit of a clearing. So it wasn't just straight trees, but, um, yeah, that stuff happens. It happens more than people realize.
3: Is that's, that's, that sounds not, not fun.
1: <laughs> and I was yeah, impressed that,
3: yeah, I was impressed to see though, they were able to get the boat turned around. I mean, those yeah, boats are I not guess there's
1: like a dozen people and they got up on the front and pushed the bow around and then they just pushed it right into the river. So pretty yeah. crazy. Cause yeah. I, I'm like, I, when I seen it, I'm like, oh, Ray's done for the day. Right. Well, then all of a sudden I'm 40 miles up the other river, up the lake from where we took off and all of a sudden, there's Ray sitting there fishing in the same boat. And I'm like, what the heck? So <laughs> he, he got out and he had a good day too. He was sitting good after the first day. Wow.
3: Huh.
1: Wow, that's lucky.
0: I don't know, man. I've only been in a couple, you know, small tournaments or even even league nights where the takeoff and you feel like you're in a hot tub with all the boats ripping around you. And I couldn't imagine with all these big, fast boats on a, on a narrow spot like that. And I mean, what, what's, I mean, what's the answer there? I mean, what do you try to do? You just try to find yourself a, a position in in the pack and and, and cross your fingers?
1: Well, like me, I, I don't get real aggressive. My boat's not as fast as some of the other ones anyway. So if people, you know, there's a handful of guys that like when they're behind me, I'm just like, they're going to pass me. I don't care, whatever. You know, there's some people that are just super aggressive. And when they're behind me, I just get out of their way, let them go. You know, I'm not going to, the odds of them going to the same spot are slim and I'm not going to risk hitting, you know, cause there's floating logs all over too. I'm not going to risk hitting that. I'm not going to risk hurting the cameraman or the marshal in the boat. Um, it's just not worth it. I mean, I'm very competitive, but I'm at the point in my life where I don't want to do something stupid if I can, you know, reduce the chances of it happening.
0: Well, and I'm sure Shields and Yamaha and your, all your sponsors would appreciate that, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is you're representing the sport and all the people that are helping you out. And there's all these kids watching that look up to us. And it's like that's the last thing you want is, you know, to see one of those guys go ripping by you and you're trying to ra- – I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's just not – it's not good in a lot of ways. Well, it's, I mean, I want
0: to ask you about that too. And I was going to bring it up earlier when, when you're talking about fishing a spot and if uh, another uh, tournament angler, another guy sees you catching fish, do you, do you see, have you had other guys creep in on your spot like that? Or is there some, some ethical boundaries or is there, you know, is there some respect or uh, do some guys just not care?
1: So there's ethical boundaries and respect, but, not everyone follows that and not everyone will reciprocate that if you show it to them. So, and that takes a few years to figure out, like I'm really starting to figure out the people, you know, because people will all say, oh, I would never pull in on anybody and I don't expect anybody to pull in on me. But the next thing you know, they're pulling in on you when you're catching them or you're somewhere that they want to fish. But if you try doing that to them, then you get an earful. So there's there's kind of an unwritten rule you don't do that but then there's some events like last year on pickwick lake where where it was a ledge event where those fish are packed into very few spots big groups of them where you're gonna have to fish with three four five other boats and work it out Um, and that's why i did really bad in that event is i was too scared to go up to people and ask if i could fish so now i'm learning the lesson that hey and i keep it in my mind like okay, that guy pulled up to within 15 feet of me on a spot. So when I do that to him and he says something, I'm going to have this in my mind that he did it to me. So mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of a learning process of knowing what people do that and what people don't, and I'm not the kind of guy to let people walk o- walk all over me. So, um, yeah, if they do it to me, I'll do it to them, but if they respect me, I won't do it to them. So three,
0: three years, uh, on the elite series, what else has surprised you about it? Or what else have you learned, uh, about fishing or about the tournament or has anything surprised you about being a part of it?
1: Uh, you know, I'm, well, I'm not necessarily surprised, but it's crazy how good the guys actually are. Um, you know, growing up, fishing all the different circuits I have from local stuff all the way up to the Bassmaster Opens, you know, which is the AAA level to get to where I'm at. I've, I'm used to being at, towards the top in the standings, um, especially in the end of the year and the Angler of the Year standings. And, you know, the first the first year I finished in the middle, last year I finished kind of the upper middle where at which I made the Bassmaster Classic, which is good. Um, so it's really crazy how consistent and how good these guys are. Like you can't stumble or you'll get left in the dust. Um, so that's one big thing. And then the other thing too is just how like nice and down to earth the majority of them are, not all of them. There are some with major egos that are, that stand out that most people um, you know, I don't even have to say who they are. Um, people will know, but the majority of them, Super cool, nice people that sit and talk to you, you know, they know who you are. They'll go out of their way to talk to you. They'll go out of the way to help you. So it's pretty cool to be part of that and and be, be fishing with the guys I've looked up to for a long time and have them getting to know me and have conversations with me. It's pretty neat.
0: How much have you enjoyed uh, all the travel and pulling a boat
1: with you everywhere you go? I don't mind that, you know. I've got a truck camper and, and I haul a boat. Um, now this last span when I was gone for you know, the better part of two months, that got to be a little old, like I was ready to be home. Um, but in the normal part of the season where I might be gone for three weeks at a time, um, I like it, I like driving, I like seeing different parts of the country. Um, when I drive, that's one of the few times where I just get to think about stuff. And, and the other thing too, is, you know, I had a normal job for 20 years where, uh, you know, driving around the country fishing is, is uh, pretty dang good compared to a lot of jobs out there. Yeah, for sure. have
0: you ever had any weird things happen to you on the road?
1: Uh, You know, break a tooth or anything, (laughs) or? uh... (laughs) I've had a lot of really weird things happen to me on the road. Um, especially this last trip, which, you know, one of them, I can't even talk about it's so, but I've had, you know, cool things happen too, or people come up to you at the gas station and, you know, know who you are and want your autograph. And, um, I've had crazy things happen at campgrounds. And I mean, when you're on the road, that many days, stuff's going to (laughs) happen for sure. uh, It's just part of being on the road. Absolutely.
0: What's the next tournament for you? Where are you guys going next?
1: Uh, Bassmaster Classic. So, yeah, we go, what, three weeks, I think, ahead to Knoxville. So, uh, yeah, I'm home right now getting the boat ready, trying to. I mean, I just got home yesterday. Get the boat ready. Uh, get all my tackle organized. Um, you know, a lot of phone call, email stuff. And then, yeah, head to the Classic. It should be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that. I can't believe
0: how big that is. Like it just still, you know, I, I haven't been around the bass uh, industry side of bass fishing like this as much the last couple of years, just kind of, just kind of learning more and more about it and the, the, how huge bass fishing is in general and just how big uh, like this event
1: is just blows me away. Yeah, it's the biggest one in the world. I mean, when people think of bass fishing, if they think of tournament bass fishing or you know anything about it. The Bassmaster Classic is is what th- they know, yeah. so it's really cool to be a part of it for two you know two times now, and have the opportunity to you know potentially have a big tournament and you know completely change my life. So, um, it's awesome. It's something I've dreamt about for a long time, and you know once you go there once and experience it, you want to get back as many times as you can.
0: Yeah, it's a Super Bowl, right? I mean, what? Oh yeah, what was. What, so that first year, was it bigger and louder and brighter than you expected? Or what was your impression that first year?
1: Yeah, the first year was in Fort Worth, Texas, which was a really fun town. And they had it in Dickies Arena, you know, big sports arena. And I don't know how many people are there. And there's a giant stage and they pull your boat up to the stage and you get out. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it's a whole nother level of a normal Elite Series event. And then you just have all the hoopla around it. You have a giant, you know, expo. You have all the media stuff before the tournament, during the tournament. Uh, There's just so much surrounding it that everything is amplified and way more intense. So it's really, it's really cool. It's hard to describe, you know, the feeling as an angler who has dreamt of doing it, you know, being in that tournament to actually get to do it it's hard to even explain so how much
0: preparation goes in
1: to this event i mean have you fished
0: tennessee river before are you doing uh you know what are you doing to prep for this and you know you don't have to tell us everything of course but i mean like how much work are you doing to prepare for it
1: So I have fished it my rookie year. We fished an event there and I did pretty decent. I like the Tennessee river a lot, especially that time of the year in the spring. So it's just gonna be a matter of getting my tackle ready, getting it organized, getting the extra stuff I think I'll need together, making sure, you know, I have all my waypoints loaded on the graphs, making sure everything's in good working order. Um, That's about it. It's no different really than a normal elite series tournament. As far as preparation, um, so it's just trying to trying to get all your ducks in a row, so you don't, you know, have something happen negatively that you could have controlled.
0: Well. Uh, we wish you luck in that tournament, of course. And we had a lot of fun fishing with you uh, down on Table Rock. We should talk about that uh, experience just a little bit, too. We were down there for a glow, and you got the call. You had to come down and take some of us uh, idiot media guys out for a little bit of fishing and uh, show us how to catch some spotted
3: bass. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You had them dialed in pretty quick down there. Yeah, if you ever have a tournament down yeah. there, uh, <laughs> we get all the credit for that's how that's you right. do. So
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we were on the tournament caliber fish but they were nice ones i mean for never being there and i mean when i was out there with you guys that was the first time i had ever seen the lake so i mean it took a you know an hour maybe two hours but man we ended up catching them pretty good i thought and some pretty nice ones so um spotted bass are a blast
0: yeah that was fun and using uh using that forward-facing sonar what, i can't remember we was at live scope so yeah Garmin. Down Yeah. Using Garmin and finding the the structure out in front of us and then casting out to it and letting it drop. And you would know, you'd be able to tell right away, you'd see fish coming up. And if we didn't see those fish coming up, you're like, now we got to move on to the next one. Like you could tell by looking at the electronics.
1: Oh yeah. That's a big part of that. Um, That game is understanding what you're looking at. And yeah, once I seen that happening. Like I remember the one little rock pile where we caught them pretty good. I remember seeing them and saying like, oh man, we're gonna catch them. And then yeah, we caught them good. So that's the magic of forward facing sonar. If you learn how to how to use it and how to read it. Yeah,
0: that was a good time. And we've got a video from that's gonna be coming out on our uh, new YouTube channel, Fish Hunt Forever. You'll be able to uh, watch our time down on Table Rock with Pat Schlopper coming. Hmm. Well,
3: we'll Sometime. see. <laughs> we're still we're still formulating all of our schedules for this Oh, that's not me. Oh, bye, Dan. Um, <laughs> with a brand new YouTube channel. So we're still formulating our schedules for all that, but it'll be in the near future. Yeah, we've got uh, a lot of a lot of content we're going to bring in you there. So we've got a lot of stuff
0: we're editing every day. We just put out uh, our first video on that new YouTube channel here recently. And we've got a lot more coming, uh, including our time with Pat down there. Um, hey, man, really appreciate the time. It's Pat Slopper Fishing. That's where we can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, Facebook and, and Instagram, Patch Shopper Fishing. Um, I think my wife's got a TikTok thing set up too. I've never done anything with it, but she does it, and she gets a lot of people looking at that. So um, I do have a YouTube page, but I'm I haven't been super active on it. I'm still still trying to navigate through that. I put a lot of time into several videos last year, and I just didn't didn't get much traction. I feel like on Instagram, I get a lot more feedback, so I've kind of concentrated on that. Um, but, yeah, Pat Shopper Fishing for all the social stuff. And, you know, I post pretty regular, fairly active on there. So, yeah, follow along. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's Hopefully it's a good year.
0: Yeah. Well, good luck the rest of the season. Good luck at the Classic. Uh, and Thanks for the time today on the show.
1: All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Sporting Journal Radio
0: is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.